Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And on the line, we have our colleague from our San Francisco office, Kelly Price. Hi, Kelly. Hi. How should a customer experience team, how should customer researchers think about increasing the impact that that research has on their companies? And maybe we start with taking a look at that word impact. What does it mean to do impactful research? So the way that I think about it is sort of two components to it. Organizations that do impactful research, they are asking the right questions when they're kind of tackling a project, right? They're not just kind of going in and doing what we see a lot of organizations do, where they treat research as a means to validate what they already think they should be doing, right? It's about thinking about it from end to end and really assessing what problem are we solving? Are we solving it in the right way? And is this continuing to work in solving that problem? But then the second component of that, which I think really differentiates organizations that has a research practice that is holistically impactful versus kind of that more micro manifestation of it is where is that coming into play in terms of kind of altitudes of decision making. So you can have impactful research like we were just talking about within the context of a particular product or a concrete experience, right? If you're a designer or researcher working within a product space, but companies that really are using research to embed the customer in a much more fundamental way are bringing that mindset to the way decisions are made from both that kind of strategy or product-specific lens all the way up to the kind of the higher altitude of where are we moving as an organization? How do all of our different experiences and products come together to lead into what is the direction that we're taking our company? What customers are we serving? What larger problems are we trying to solve in the market? And so when I say an impactful research practice, I mean an organization that is really doing both of those things. You know, don't just ask them, you really like this new design, right? But ask it, ask it more from a customer's perspective. And, and two, you know, not just, not too narrow, right? On how broad can this be and how maybe early in the process can this be so that it might actually inform decision-making, not just come right at the very end. Um, all right, well, that's easy. We've solved it. Uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> what are the big challenges that get in the way of having research that can make a real impact and drive action? The number one thing has to do with mindset and understanding. Most organizations, I don't think, collectively really get the purpose of research, right? There's Mm -hmm. a big challenge of thinking about research as that kind of what we were talking about, right? That kind of validation piece as opposed to actually informing decision-making. So that's a huge challenge. But I think even an organization to get that and have really kind of percolated that mindset throughout the company. They're more design-driven. Um, for instance, there are kind of more practical challenges of just the day-to-day ways of running a company that make it hard to bring that mindset to life in a consistent way. Some of the main challenges, I think, with research and design specifically, is there's a really increased need for design velocity or just speed in general. We need to be releasing, 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 which makes it hard to think about how do we effectively plan and take a step back to incorporate those larger insights to be driving our decisions in a more consistent way. And then along the lines with that, right, research can take time and not just in the execution of research itself, but also all of the operational overhead that sometimes can come with executing on this stuff that often most organizations don't have the infrastructure to really support. And so this push of always needing to move faster sort of that odds with this concurrent need to be collecting more holistic insights to be driving decisions in uh, more fundamental ways. So it sounds like there's sort of two components that are missing here. The sort of hands-on, day-to-day, do we have the right people? Do they know what type of research to do? And are they able to do it? And then is our organization on board with conducting higher-level strategic research initiative? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it varies organization by organization of what kind of the 
first best approaches. In the report, I outlined six core practices that come into play of organizations that I've seen that are making this transition and kind of the select number that are sort of that are doing what I would call high impact research well today. What I caveat that with is that it's not that every organization is doing all six of these things or that you have to do all six in order to start moving down this pathway. I think it starts with really assessing internally where your organization is at and doing some internal research to understand the state of people's perceptions about work. What are actually the barriers that are inhibiting you from doing research that's more impactful today? And then starting from there to understand which of these strategies can we employ to start to move the needle to where we want to be. But with that said, the six things that I've, I've seen companies do is number one, to start to structure research practices to cultivate relationships within the organization. From the research that I did on this, which has been going on for over a year, I talked to dozens of companies, I think came out as probably the number one most important thing that has to happen. Research has to become part of the team, you know, not just from a person perspective, but also from a practice perspective of how we think about the way that we're working. And that really begins with aligning research with key decision makers. And going back to those different altitudes of decision making, that then has to relate to different types of research that is going on. So oftentimes we see this happen, um, particularly within technology companies, starting at a product level of embedding researchers within product teams. This has become sort of a ubiquitous best practice that most technology companies, and the reason for that is by having a researcher embedded within that team, research becomes less like something that it says external to the process of how mm-hmm. decisions are made, right? As like, oh, we're like at this point in our process of decision-making, let's call in research. No, right. like they need to be there from the beginning and helping to shape what are the questions that we're asking? How does this relate to what we already know? And researchers also, you know, by the it's not just about product teams, for example, understanding research. It also has to be about researchers understanding the product and understanding how everyone else works, right? It's a two-way street. And so your researchers need to be really aligned with understanding, you know, what are the strategic objectives of my stakeholders of this product and making sure that the research that they're doing is related to questions that are going to help drive that strategy and don't just become extraneous (laughs) questions that end up not mattering that much, which is also a problem that um, I see happen a lot when companies aren't thinking about this in a really strategic way that then undermines the value of research because research ends up working on these questions that don't really lead to higher impact or really targeted decisions and undermines the value of what people think research is actually bringing to the table. I can imagine some companies saying is that when you get research to be too distributed amongst different product teams, Mm -hmm. you lose this ability to share insights and sort of be in touch with what everyone else is doing and create some efficiencies that way. What would Mm -hmm. you sort of say to, I guess, counter that? Is it the case where research is one team, but that they are dedicated at a specific project level? Or do they actually Mm -hmm. live within these different product teams, but they still operate with a center of excellence to help make sure that they don't lose those efficiencies and shared learnings? Yeah. So another language for embedded is what we would call distributed, uh, which is a pretty widely used term. And, and essentially, the researchers are all on their own team. Like they don't report into their PM, for example, which can lead to a whole other screw right. of yeah, challenges, that's right? Wanted, if you're... That's what I wanted to see if, um, if you were saying yeah, here and if exactly. that was the case. Yeah. You feel like I'm going to get fired if I don't tell you what you need to hear. Um, right. No, Your you don't want to that. That is what our customers said. No need to do um, the research even. Yeah. <laughs> And so I think um, there's kind of multiple lenses to this. 
I would say yes, absolutely. Like the researchers need to report externally to a research manager who's in charge of kind of seeing what's happening holistically. But to that end, and this kind of leads back to that original question, right, of what does it mean to be impactful? That is one of the downsides of having even a distributed model because, you know, day to day researchers are working with their core product team. It doesn't create as much space for having that kind of ongoing sharing of just knowing what other people are doing. And so there's some very like kind of obvious practical things that organizations do to get around that just with like every Friday we're scheduling this you know honestly oftentimes it's like a two-hour meeting of going around and figuring out what everyone is working on but in order to really make that something that can be leveraged to guide work across multiple teams it needs to be more than just kind of a sporadic sharing and maybe you pick up on something that someone else is doing and this is where I'm seeing organizations transfer more into what we would call a hybrid model and this is happening a lot within design teams as well where you have researchers who sit embedded and the core of their work day to day is working with driving kind of the strategic and tactical decisions of a product team. But then there's also researchers that sit within that core team who are working on the cross product or cross experience strategy and actually taking those collective insights that are happening from across different products or different lines of business or different experiences and thinking, how do we take these insights holistically and use that to drive higher order strategic decision making, as well as percolating up kind of what are the higher order questions that we need to be answering that can be then driven down to all of these more isolated pockets that are happening across the organization. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think there is that you know, connected to the product, right? Connected to what the research should actually inform is great, except that that threat you highlighted, Kelly, of capture, where it's like, please don't tell us that customers think our baby is ugly and um, we really right. need to know. So that sort of cross-reporting helps with that, right? Where you're, you're sort of having these overarching issues or themes or questions come up from the entire research organization that then percolate down to the specific pockets or teams where some of those distributed resources are operating with it. That makes sense to me. And it, it sort of goes right at one of those key challenges that I think is almost inevitable when you work in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that though, right? I mean, you can embed researchers and get people aligned. And I think that if you hire smart people who, which is the whole other piece of this, who do you hire, what do you hire for, but who understand how to align themselves you know, you can eventually kind of work yourself into other people's work processes, but there also needs to be like a parallel effort, uh, which I also outline in the report of how do we actually democratize or evangelize the mindset of what it means to be taking kind of a research-based approach to what Mm. questions we're answering and why. And if you're not doing that (laughs) and taking the effort to bring people along with you, help them understand what you're doing, you know, train people in some of these not necessarily in the practice of doing these methods, but in the understanding of where does research come into play across an end-to-end design process. Embedding alone is not really going to be enough. It works best when you have some top-down support that are saying, we're going to try to pilot to work this way. But where I see organizations really find the most success in trying to kind of move the needle on that mindset piece, it's starting with finding kind of pockets of receptivity within the company. So if you can find a stakeholder or some type of product owner or experience owner who maybe understands or is interested in wanting to do more research. They're like, yeah, I'd like to do that, but in the past it hasn't really worked or, you know, I don't really get that or it's just going to slow me down, but just where they, they have an openness to it. And then use that to actually pilot a new way of working. Again, going back to understanding what the barriers they feel are preventing them from doing the research that they would like to do. And then designing a process around that and bringing people along from end to end where you're collaboratively defining the questions at the upfront, exposing 
exposing them to actual customers as part of that research process. They can see what that's actually like and then actually shepherding the process of using the decisions or the insights that you get uh, from that research to help to make more informed decisions collectively. And what I've seen is that when companies take that more kind of stepwise approach and find those pockets of receptivity and then pilot a process that's going to work within the cultural nuance of the organization that they're in, that becomes a really effective way at then being able to scale that out and move it out to various teams over time. Yeah, that's great advice. You mentioned one thing a little earlier about the democratization. Um, and I think that this mm-hmm. is a really interesting topic that I would, I would love to spend an entire podcast episode on here. Yeah. Because I know, you know, we at Forrester feel very strongly about this. I have really strong opinions on what to democratize from the design practice. I was also recently at UXPA Boston event where they were speaking to the heads of the research organization. And they had very conflicting ideas and takes and preferences yeah. about democratization. And you did speak to sort of one perspective, which is that there's a difference between practice and mindset and what it is that you're democratizing. And so I'd be curious just to hear what that difference is for practice and mindset. And when do you see it effective to democratize practice? I think democratizing mindset is just sort of essential if you want to, and this is true for research and design and probably anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to get people to integrate an additional competency or whatever you want to call it into the way that you're working, people have to understand that effectively. And if people don't understand you know, the purpose and nature of research, it's never really going to be impactful because then the people who are making decisions are never going to really understand what information do I actually need in order to make this decision? Is this a decision that actually is going to require research, what type of research do we need, and so on. Without necessarily being able to go out and do that research, there needs to be a sense of what don't I know here, what type of insight do I need in order to move forward. So that's just kind of a baseline thing that mindset, I think, is, is required in order to you know help ingrain the customer more fundamentally into the way that decisions are um, being made. But the second piece of practice, that is tackling an entirely different challenge, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier of this issue of design velocity and resourcing. And there's never actually going to be enough researchers or enough resources really to do all of the research that probably should be done. And so then the question is, okay, when we think about all the different types of research that come into play from things that are super exploratory that I would say require a high degree of skill in order to set up, you know, what's the real question that we're asking and what are all the different ways of getting at this? And the way that I think about someone who's really actually skilled at research is they're kind of like methodologically agnostic, <laughs> which is maybe a very convoluted way of saying it's, it's not so much about the method. They're not thinking about, oh, like, let's do a usability test or let's do an interview. They're really able to articulate, okay, what is the core question here? And then based on kind of our resources and different constraints and kind of the nuances of this question, what's the best way to answer that? And they're able to kind of tackle it in multiple ways and, you know, go out and do stuff that is um, more skilled and which typically trends more towards the highly qualitative. But, you know, that's one class of of research that I would say probably shouldn't be straight out democratized. You don't want to have someone who has no background in research going out, you know, alone to do some in-depth ethnography and come back to say what what they found and use that to drive your entire experience strategy. I think it's certainly advisable to, as 
part of this mindset proliferation to bring people along for the ride. Um, a lot of companies do stuff like this. Google has a really interesting program where they call research safaris, where a couple times a year they take people to different countries to help them to understand what are the nuances of need of this product or this experience in this different cultural setting um, and so on. And, and that's been a really effective way at getting people to understand why this is important. So when you're talking about straight out, like research, this is someone who's not a researcher doing this work. The only way that I see that being really effective over time is when it becomes something that's pretty straightforward and concrete. And even with that said, it requires a lot of organizational infrastructure in order to effectively support that. So that tends to be that work that's happening towards the end of the design process when, you know, maybe we're kind of doing some light discovery to understand maybe some nuances of how we need to change a feature. Maybe we're testing kind of parallel designs or we're just kind of evaluating things after we've already decided this is the problem that we're solving and this is the best way to solve it is what we're designing actually delivering on that. And the reason for that is you can kind of break that down into really specific questions and link those up to specific ways to address those questions. And when you can create templates, tools, and processes to allow non-researchers, typically the stuff is executed by designers and some organizations also um, PMs, and in very rare cases, I would say developers as well. It gives them kind of a process to go through where it's almost like they're kind of like checking things on templates so that they can make sure that they're doing it in the right way. And another piece that I would say is that in organizations that are doing that well um, is that when you're having non-researchers execute on this work, they also need to have some type of alliance or allegiance with a point research person that they can turn to. And that should be kind of the expectation where there's sort of light checkpoints along the way where they're like, does this look okay? Fine. And and a second reason, and I'll stop talking in a second because I feel like I've been going on on this for a long time, is that end of the spectrum our research, right, that more evaluative testing, what a lot of people I think traditionally think of as user research, that tends to be the research that's happening at the highest volume, and that is really the challenge with that kind of velocity piece of, like, mm. we need to be doing this on a weekly basis. And so when you're dedicating all of your researchers who know what they're doing, who are able to answer those really difficult questions, time to this kind of tactical word just kind of running through a, you know, on a hamster wheel thing of trying to get all this stuff done, it prevents having that skill set allocated to the questions that actually require in-depth expertise and knowledge to actually get insights that matter. So that's the kind of the practical reason why that more evaluative stuff is democratized and then how you can go about doing it in a way where it doesn't become you know, the Wild West, so to speak. Great. Well, Kelly, thank you. I think we've got a really nice sense here now of how to ensure that the research you're doing with customers as a company has the impact you want it to have. And I, I really think that last point as well about the velocity of how you'd want to do some of these methods is almost speaking to you that you need to get these methods templatized and able for more people to use who you've hopefully convinced that you've changed their mindset so that they want to use them. And now they're able to and they're able to move quickly because you have a critical mass of people who are doing this research. Listeners, we have posted a link to Kelly's new report on this topic called High Impact Research, the Ingredients for an Effective UX and Design Research Practice in the show notes for this episode if you want to find out more. And there's some really nice uh, graphics and visualizations in there as well. I encourage you to check out. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of CXCast. And listeners, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks to our colleagues Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality. <laughs>